It is an absolute beautiful Thursday outside. The weather has been perfect, like, all week where I'm at, by the way, in Michigan. But I want to, you know, skip the weather talk, because usually if you're talking about weather, that means you have nothing to actually talk about. And I do have some fun stuff I want to share today. Um, Saquon Barkley apparently does not want to sign his franchise tag. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. We have some Lamar Jackson, you know, talking points around the Colts. Apparently they are out on Lamar, and then I just want to go around because we are two weeks away from the NFL draft now. I want to share some of the biggest busts in NFL history. That'll be part three today. Let's get into our episode. Now, I know some people might ask, hey, there was an Mel Kuyper mock draft. How come you didn't review it? You know, I know we are near draft talk time, but honestly, uh, I don't want to do reviewing mock drafts every single episode. I want to find more interesting topics sometimes. While some people might love breaking stuff down, we're getting to the point, though, where fewer pieces are going to be moving. The combines already happened. A lot of pro days have already happened. Yes, uh, Mel Kuyper came out with a new mock draft, and he had some trades. And even in the title of it, he said, my Detroit Lions get an A grade on it. Love that you can give your own draft grades on your own mock draft. Like That'd be like if I was like, yeah, I think this podcast is like a five-star podcast. You need to check it out. Like, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, he's got to know something to have that like big fluffy hair that he always has, like that big like dome hair. And to be on TV as much as he is, he's got to know at least a couple things about football. So, But we're going to skip that maybe for another day where there's fewer things in the sports world I want to talk about. Um, and then a quick highlight, I know I didn't say it in the interview. Um, the uh, Atlanta Falcons acquired Jeffrey Okuda, a former number three overall pick from the Lions. For me as a Lions fan, I think it is good riddance. We've addressed the position in free agency, getting Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, and CJ Gardner-Johnson. I think it's good to move on from him, maybe save a little cap room. A lot of people around the Lions era or area are kind of asking, what does this mean for them? Are they going to trade up? Are they going to draft a corner? Are they going to trade out a six? That I think is becoming a more likely thing now that the, the Lions have a bit of a war chest when it comes to picks. They have two first rounders, two second rounders. I think they have uh, two fifth rounders now. Like it doesn't mean a lot of fifth round pick, but it means, you know, sometimes it can be the icing on a cake. It could be like, If you want to move up, you give us a first, another first, a third, and a fifth or something like that, and that can get you to move up. And so maybe that pick ends up being part of a trade piece around draft night. Going on into our main topic today, though, I wanted to share with you uh, about Saquon not wanting to sign his franchise tag before the the Giants offseason program starts. So, uh, yeah, the G-Men have a very disgruntled running back and this is that weird issue with the running back position and it's why when I do my mock drafts or talk about running backs being left in free agency I don't necessarily uh, agree with always signing a running back to a long-term deal so Saquon Barkley is arguably one of the most talented players at the running back position the last couple seasons however outside of this last season He has had a hard time with injury issues and struggling. Um, He didn't play very well in 2021. 2020, he tore his ACL three games into the year. Not very good. 
Now, Saquon is a very talented running back, but outside of this last season he just played, he hadn't had a season this good since 2018. He's 26 years old, which isn't too bad for a running back, but with his injury history, the last couple of years getting dinged up, and now this year he's finally playing good again, you wonder if how, how long he has left in the tank. And this sounds ridiculous. Some people go, he was one of the best running backs in the league. What the hell are you talking about, Max? No, what I'm saying is running backs can fall off a cliff like that overnight. Where is Todd Gurley? If, for those who don't remember, when the uh, Los Angeles Rams were going to the Super Bowl and Saquon's rookie season 2018, Todd Gurley was arguably the best running back in the league. And two years later, he's not even on the same team, but he's not at the same player. And then in 2021, I don't think he's even in the NFL if he's even getting touches in the NFL. And Todd Gurley was not an old player by any means. Let me uh, find his age real quick. Todd Gurley is... Age. He is a solid 28 years old. And he's out of the NFL. And that's two years older than Saquon Barkley. Now, yes, he had some injury issues. That could be a concern, obviously. But... Todd Gurley is younger than Derrick Henry. Todd Gurley is younger than Austin Eckler. Like, a, a running back can fall off a cliff any day. And so I understand if you're the Giants and you've had Saquon Barkley for five seasons now, and in two of them he's had injury issues, I would be concerned. I truly would be concerned. And I don't know if you'd want to give him a four-year deal with $10 million guaranteed. Or ten, not ten million a year. That's what I meant. I wouldn't want to do it. And so, yes, he is a great weapon. Yes, he has a lot of, uh, uh, you know, he's made a big impact on the Giants. And he is one of the few running backs in the league that right now can change an offense. Usually, I believe if you can put a good offensive line and a good quarterback on the field, the threat of the quarterback and the O line protecting him can help any average uh, running back at least be a solid enough one uh, to move the chains do what you need to do they're not going to break the game or be a real weapon but they can have a respectable enough run game to keep it moving run the clock out finish games again Pacheco is good for the Chiefs did anyone know who Isaiah Pacheco was last season uh, before he got some starting reps did anyone know who he was when he was a seventh round pick I heard the name when he was at Rutgers because I love me some Big Ten football, but I didn't think he was a star by any means. Nobody thought he was going to be the best running back in the draft last year. So we can't, you know, and he's a Super Bowl champ now. And you could argue Pacheco is going to be a pretty solid running back next year. Why would you want to pay Saquon the price of a starting cornerback in the NFL, which you could argue is more important than and then draft a fifth-round, sixth-round running back and put him behind a good offensive line. Now, again, Saquon is the unique. He's the unicorn. There's probably four running backs I trust, maybe not even four. I'd say Saquon, maybe Derrick Henry, and Nick Chubb are running backs that I think no matter what line they're running behind can still ball out. Other than that, I think a lot of running backs are a product of their line. San, uh, San Francisco has a great offensive line, and Christian McCaffrey had an explosive season for them 
this season. I think of, you know, other teams. You you could even ask, when I gave you my three there, you could even wonder about Derrick Henry because he had some injury concerns this year, and he didn't have the same production we're used to from Derrick Henry. But a lot of running backs are a product, I think, of their offensive line. I think Miles Sanders for the Eagles was a solid running back. But in that offensive line, I think he could put anyone back there and they could at least, you know, be respectable. And I think that's what the Eagles realized. They could move on from Miles Sanders. Now, this is the difficult thing, though, for the G-Men. The problem for me that I worry about them is, like I said, Saquon is one of those few running backs that can impact games. And on top of it, you just paid Daniel Jones a large, hefty contract extension. And outside of that, they brought in Darren Waller, but they haven't brought any other weapons in there. Again, I don't like their receiving core at all. Darius Slayton is an okay receiver. Sterling Shepard is an okay receiver. He's also 30 and has torn his ACL twice. I don't think he's going to have the burst. I don't think he's an elite receiver. And they traded Kadarius Toney last year, who then goes on to win a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. So they need elite weapons. And Saquon is one of them. They're in a weird situation right now because I think most people, most organizations would be okay letting the running back walk and getting the compensatory pick. But the G-men kind of need Saquon because they need the run game. Their offensive line isn't spectacular. It's average in the league, I'd say. It's not It's not a, um important unit. It's, it's not something that's going to change games or the outcome of the games. They're a respectable offensive line that can protect well enough at the NFL level. But Saquon can make guys miss even when there are no holes available to, to, you know, go through. And I think it's important for them to keep him. But honestly, I don't know if anything's been good for the Giants at all this offseason. Yes, they got Darren Waller. I don't think he's the same player he was a couple years ago. The thing that worries me about the Giants, if I'm a Giants fan, they really didn't improve much on the season, but they have now increased pay on players that have already existed there. So a team that I think overachieved slightly and probably was a seven-win team that ended up winning nine, I think that all they've done is been able to keep their players instead of add anything to it. That's a worrisome thing if you ask me, mainly due to the fact that if you're just paying your same players that overachieved more, unless Daniel Jones throws for 4,000 yards and 25 touchdowns instead of 15 touchdowns, I have a hard time thinking that this Giants team is going to be a playoff contender next year, even with Saquon. So, honestly, I don't know where you go at this point. I could share my thoughts and say, oh, well, you know, it's important to keep uh, Saquon around because they need him. Well, honestly, I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team next year. Well, then let him walk. Well, they're definitely not going to be a playoff team then. They're kind of in purgatory. And yes, they did make it to the playoffs. And yes, they did win a game. But I don't know if they can do it again next year. That's what I think, you know. So what do you think about Saquon? Do you think he should stay with the Giants, take his uh, franchise tag, which is just one year, about $10 million? Or do you think he should hold out? We've seen what that happens before with Le'Veon Bell. When he held out, I think it really messed his career up, trying to hold out for more money. Yes, he did end up winning in the end, getting more 
money, but did he really, you know, prolong his career? I don't think so. So what do you think about Saquon? Do you think he should be staying? Do you think he should be going? As the clash once said, should I stay or should I go? That's a good question for Saquon. I think it's a good fit for him. The thing is, as an organization, I don't know if it's a good fit to keep him and pay all that money to a running back that has missed arguably a third of his career due to injury. And they really didn't have, you know, a running back is not as, I would rather have a top five receiver in the NFL than a top five running back. So I think that that's what they need more. And while it would hurt to see Saquon go, cause he's a big name. You see him in the commercials. He's a big Jersey seller. Honestly, he's not going to win you football games when he's 29, 30 years old at, at the back half of his deal. It's going to be one of the worst contracts in football. Ask the Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott. Yep. Uh, as you could even argue this. Ezekiel Elliott has been a better running back in the NFL. In his time, he you know was the rushing champ two years uh, throughout his career. He, he led the league in rushing. Saquon's never done that. And so what are you, what are you going to do about it? You know, I wouldn't want Saquon at 29 years old. That's old for a running back. That's ancient for a running back. So tell me what you think about Saquon wanting, uh, not wanting that for signing his, uh, um, blanking on it now, signing his franchise tag. Tell me what your thoughts are on it. I will be, uh, answering any comments on my Facebook page about this situation. So, let me know what you guys think. So before we get into our next quick topic, I just want to share some comments from some of our uh, uh, Facebook fan page users. I asked you guys in a post, what is your favorite sports team and why? I know I usually talk about football on here, but I always love talking about some of my favorite teams. So I'll break down mine real quick and then I'll share some of the comments here. When it comes to football, Obviously a Detroit Lions fan. I've been growing up since I was probably 9, 10 years old and fell in love with football, watching my Detroit Lions every single Sunday. I've gotten to see a couple of the playoff games they've gotten to go to, which has pretty much been the highs. And then I've gotten to see the lows, which is the Matt Patricia era of football. Uh, Speaking of college football, I do love Michigan State. I also was thankful to probably see the golden age of Michigan State football in my life, you know, in my life at least, which was their, was it 2012 or 2013 Rose Bowl? That was one of the my favorite days ever, just being able to see Michigan State. I honestly thought, I didn't get to see them, but watching them on TV, I, I honestly I believe still to this day that that team in the college football playoff era could have won the national championship that year. It was one of my favorite football teams to ever watch. Um, when it comes to other sports, some of my favorite teams, I am a diehard Detroit fan, so I watch the Pistons every once in a while, I watch the Tigers. Those two teams have been breaking my heart the last couple of years. Um, I would love I would love to see the Tigers come back and, and start playing good again. I, um, I'd say as a kid, I, I started as a baseball fan because that's what I played, and then I grew into a football fan just from watching the game. And uh, the Detroit Tigers used to be my favorite sports team ever, 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 ever. And the way they have fallen off with one of the longest playoff droughts now in baseball, they are just an absolute mess. Um, I am just like hoping for a day. Like it's sad when all of my eggs are in the Detroit Lions basket because usually they're the ones that stink. But 
I'm just hoping that the Tigers can turn it around at this point. I don't have any like facts or reasons why they will. It's just hope at this point. So those are my main favorite teams. Lions, uh, Tigers, Bears. Oh, my. No, I'm kidding. I, don't, I hate the Bears, but um, I also like the Pistons and then Michigan State football and basketball. Those are my those are my sports teams. We got a couple comments. One of them from my very supportive mother. Thank you, Mom. But uh, she said, lifelong Lions fan. I don't know why. Defies all logic, but here we are. I honestly have to give credit to everyone that is a Lions fan. Um, my dad was only... I think four years older than I am, or no, five years older than I am now. I'm 22. My dad was 27 the last time the the Lions won a playoff game. Like that, <laughs> I love you, Dad, if you're listening. I hope that doesn't make you feel older or anything. I love you, but um, yeah, that it, I just want the playoff drought to end. I think this year is going to be the year, but I'm hoping so. And then we got Jim Kowalski. He says his favorite teams are the Cleveland Browns, the Chicago Cubs, and the Pittsburgh Penguins since the early 80s. While I like a lot of those teams, I always liked seeing uh, when the Cubs beat their World Series drought, winning it, I think it was 2015 or 16. Feels like forever ago, but it was one of my favorite World Series I ever got to watch, them versus the then Indians of Cleveland. Um, Penguins, they're one of the more dominant teams in uh, – Hockey, I had actually seen that they had just recently got eliminated from uh, playoff contention for the first time in 16 years. They're not going to be participating in the playoffs. And then the Cleveland Browns, I think he would probably understand as we are the only fans of teams that have gone 0-16 in a season. So the Browns have always struggled. But I think, again, them getting Deshaun Watson, if he can get the rust out and start playing better, I think that the Browns and the Lions can both be uh, pretty scary teams this year. So I always like talking to my fans, and I want to make sure fans get their um, thoughts and comments shared on the show. So let's go back to our topic today. It is going to be that the Colts are focusing on a quarterback in the draft, and they are quiet on Lamar Jackson. So first things first, I would always love to be a general manager. I thought it'd be really fun to value talent, make trades, make signings, negotiate. I think it's one of the most fun things you could do in sports, like build the team, build the culture. Um, one of the things I wouldn't do, and again, guy behind a microphone, oh, he's never done it before, but what I see sometimes is people play their hand when they don't necessarily need to sometimes. So one example could be the Colts coach, Shane Steichen. I will say it like that because I still am having a hard time pronouncing it. Maybe it was right there. But he has said that their team has turned their focus away from Lamar Jackson and will look towards uh, the NFL draft to pick up their future franchise quarterback. Now, if that is their intention, I completely understand it. Do that. I think it is the better decision because I think getting a younger quarterback that you can develop one, puts a fit around your team and puts a new timeline down. You know this guy will be a cheap, affordable quarterback for five years that you can build, you can trade for, uh, pieces for, and build a good team around him. On top of it, I think that it prolongs your window. If he is a, if you draft a guy and he's elite right out the back, that means you have five years where you have a very cheap quarterback that you can make a big trade for like a Christian McCaffrey last year going to San Francisco. You'll have more flexibility and you will have more years because he's younger than Lamar. 
even if that was your decision, and I agree with that decision, why would you publicly say that you're not interested in Lamar? The only reason I say that is because when you play your hand like this and say, we don't want Lamar, we want uh, a quarterback in the draft, now it tells Arizona ahead of you that, oh, you want one of these quarterbacks. And if I trade back with Tennessee, your division rival, by the way, they'll be able to pick the guy they want before you pick the guy you want. Sometimes just not hinting at that you want a quarterback could help you out. And it again, there's a lot of, you know, hidden stories, topics. There's a lot of like passive comments that kind of hint at things and there's a lot of accusations nowadays around this time of the year of like, who's everyone going to take? And no one will actually tell you when it comes to this though, I wouldn't have shared that. I wasn't interested in Lamar, even if you weren't, because then there may have been a hint that a team thinks, Oh, I want Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. And if the Colts are interested in Lamar, maybe I'll be able to get them, you know, after I won't have to trade up, but now You've kind of opened the door where it's like, hey, we really need a quarterback now. And if a team trades up to three, that means it's one, two, three, four. You're getting the fourth prospect. You're getting what everyone else didn't want instead of. So now you'll either have to trade up to three or you'll have to sit at four and take whatever's given to you. And I don't know if that was necessarily the smartest move. I felt the similar thing with the Raiders when they moved on from Derek Carr. A lot of people thought they might have. They might draft a guy, but then they go out and uh, sign Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer, a solid backup in the league. Why would you sign Brian Hoyer before the draft if maybe some people thought, again, like a Tennessee, if they want a quarterback, they could have looked at you as a trade partner because, you know, they, you have, or a a player they need to jump. They, They look at you as a team they need to jump because, You have Jimmy Garoppolo, but some people don't necessarily view him as a long-term starter in the league. Some people might think you want to draft a guy to stash behind him. But then you sign Brian Hoyer a month and a half before the draft starts, so everyone knows you're not picking a quarterback. Even if you were going to pick one, or even if you weren't going to pick one, don't sign a backup until after. Perfect example, my Detroit Lions, we have Nate Sudfeld, who's... Uh, not really good backup. I don't think if if Jared Goff went down that Sudfeld would be able to win a game for us. And there's been talks that the Lions could draft Hendon Hooker in the second round or late first, and or they could sign Teddy Bridgewater. You know what that does right there? That means that the Lions are still on the market for a quarterback in the draft, and they could still get a guy in free agency. They have multiple paths right now. So a team might go, oh, shoot, I got to trade up if I'm going to be able to get this quarterback I want which could drop a player that the Lions really want down further, or they could go up and get Hendon Hooker because they didn't commit to Teddy Bridgewater yet. But because the Raiders decided to sign a starter and a backup before, now everyone knows what they're going to do. They're not going to draft a a quarterback at seven. And unless they're going to trade down, they're probably going to overdraft, what, the third best defensive end? That's a mess up, if you ask me. My Lions did that a few years ago when Stafford was still here, but everyone kind of thought that they were going to move on from Stafford or maybe they'd start a rebuild and fire Matt Patricia. But nope, they came out and said, Stafford's our guy, 
and we're looking at corners. And then on top of it, a week before the draft, they sign a backup quarterback to being the highest paid backup in the league. It's exactly what the Raiders did. You just had it all put out all your cards for everyone to watch when it wasn't necessary. There's a lot of people that could use that to their advantage and go, oh, the Raiders aren't a threat for a quarterback, so we can sit here and not have to worry about trading up. Or again, now the Indies said we're not interested in Lamar, it guarantees that they need a quarterback in the draft at pick four. So again, if Tennessee jumps up, your division rival just got the quarterback that they want that maybe you wanted as well. And now you're going to be playing him for half a decade. That is a worrisome thing, if you ask me. And it's a bit of cause for concern for how they're running stuff in Indy. But let me know what you think about it. If you are a fan of the show and would like some extra content to feel involved with it, whether it's getting your opinion shared on the show, being able to comment your thoughts on episodes, or at least be notified when they happen, feel free to check out my Facebook fan page. By following it, you get notifications whenever I drop a new post, whether that's a new episode coming out, whether that's a poll question, a Q&A segment, or like my recent one where I asked, what's your favorite sports team and why? I love to get my fan base interacted with the show, and this is a great way of doing it. So if you're a listener and you want a little more than just your average podcast every single day of the week, check out the Facebook fan page for more content. Hello, everybody. On to our final segment of the day. Every NFL draft is headlined with big-named stars that are going to change franchises for generations. Some of them come early in the first or second round, and some of them are gems like Russell Wilson, uh, Kirk Cousins has been a starter for a while, or Tom Brady, of course, is known as the fifth-round pick who could. I think that it makes always an interesting story of what teams can address talent and find the biggest needs, even in later rounds. And sometimes guys that are drafted early end up being some of the biggest flakes in the draft. So let's get down to some of the biggest draft busts in NFL history. To start things off, we have Jamarcus Russell, 2007 first overall pick by the Oakland Raiders. A lot of people thought that Jamarcus Russell was going to be the next big thing. Now, a lot of people that are deemed the next big thing fall short of expectations due to them being so big. However, the expectations couldn't have been lower uh, in his two years for uh, Jamarcus. He was supposed to be this generational promising quarterback with physical tools to be a huge star. He was six foot six, weighing at over 260 with an absolute cannon of an arm. And he was viewed as a very good piece for the struggling Raiders to build around in the future. But unfortunately, everything went downhill fast for Jamarcus Russell after being drafted. In his first season, he barely threw over uh, or under 54% of his passes were completions. And he only had two touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Yikes in his first season. Now, he was able to improve that on his second season, but he only threw 13 touchdowns for eight interceptions. A lot of people believed within the organization that his off-field issues were mainly due to his work ethic and lack of commitment to the game. He had ballooned up, he had gained a ton of weight, and a lot of people believed that he just didn't care about football anymore. It was even rumored, again, rumored, 
that I had heard a story once upon a time where they handed him an empty case saying that it had uh, all of the game film and tape that they were going to be studying for the week and that he needed to go take it home and study it at all. And uh, they had asked him, hey, did you uh, watch all of our tape? Did you make sure that you're caught up to place on our plays and, you know, formations? And he said, yep, yep, coach, I got it. I got it. I know all the plays we're doing. And uh, apparently there was no DVD in there. It was a blank, empty case. And uh, he was too lazy to even open it to realize there wasn't a, a CD in there. So that was quite a, a failure for the Raiders. I felt like it set them back for years. Honestly, until they got Derek Carr in the mid-2010s, they really never had a quarterback that did much for them. They were just kind of an average team. And I think that could have been set back due to the fact that Jamarcus Russell was a huge bust and they had to go several years without a real uh, quarterback at the helm. On top of it, if it doesn't sting anymore, the second pick of that 2007 NFL draft was none other than Hall of Fame receiver Calvin Johnson. Generational talent that had attributes unlike any other receiver I think I've ever seen. So Hall of Fame receiver goes right after the biggest bust of that draft. Speaking of another quarterback bust, we got Ryan Leaf. Everyone remembers him because he was viewed as a can't-miss prospect coming out of Washington State in the late 90s. A lot of people were debating if he should go first overall. He ends up going second overall behind Peyton Manning. But that was like the, the debate. Do you take Ryan Leaf? Do you take Peyton Manning? Do you take Ryan Leaf? A lot of people thought that he could have been uh, better than uh, Manning. And some people thought of him as the better prospect. Now, he didn't go first to the Colts. He ended up going second to the San Diego Superchargers. Um, he had an even worse, abysmal 45% completion percentage um, with only two touchdowns and 15 interceptions in nine games. Now, his issues, he missed um, the... Uh, 1999 season due to an injury, but even when he was playing, it wasn't beautiful at all. They moved on from Ryan Leaf just four years after drafting him. Whew, yikes. Um, yeah, they moved on from Ryan Leaf very fast. Now, that was just his on-field performance, his injury issues, and then his, you know, his turnovers to his touchdowns were absolutely atrocious. However, though, it was also due to his fact that he had some anger issues. He struggled with decision making on and off the field. If you there's I don't, there's got to be a documentary about his behavior concerns and how his career fell off due to it. Thankfully, Ryan Leaf has been able to turn his life around. I've seen him several times on podcasts on ESPN sometimes, and I'm very happy that he's been able to turn his life around because I think a lot of people once upon a time thought that he was going to end up in a really, really bad situation. And he, he had been in a couple. A lot of people thought of him as a locker room cancer and a troublemaker. And a lot of people didn't put up with him. I think, I think yes, Jamarcus Russell, because he was the first overall pick, was probably the biggest bust. But Ryan Leaf has to be up there as one of the other really, really big ones. Another one I want to share with you guys is Brian Bosworth, the Boz. Um, I wasn't alive around the Boz era, same I wasn't alive around the Ryan Leaf era as well, but I have seen a lot and read a lot on the Boz. He pretty much had this like Terminator haircut, 
and he was absolutely shredded and he just looks like a guy that would talk about himself in third person like hey the buzz doesn't like it when you do that like i don't know <laughs> but a lot of people said that again he was a bit of a character he was back-to-back Buckus award winners in college that means you're best, the best linebacker in the country. He was a star at Oklahoma and ended up going, I believe, to the Seattle Seahawks. Yes. Um, a lot of people thought that he was going to be one of the best linebackers in the league. But he was very, very bad. He was a shock to many when he did, really wasn't that good. Uh, they signed him to a 10-year deal for Seattle after a, a couple of years. But... He was forced to retire early due to a shoulder injury, but I think it was also due to the fact that poor performance on the field was a very big factor in his failure. Uh, He was struggling with injuries, and he wasn't able to ever really live up to the hype. Again, he probably wasn't supposed to be as good as he ended up, you know, burning out to be, but it was because of the character. The fact that he didn't even have, nobody called him Brian Bosworth. It was the Boz. Um, there were also some concerns with him due to the fact that he got suspended or banned from the Orange Bowl his senior year due to the fact that he uh, tested positive for steroids in college. Steroids usually never help anyone out when it comes to uh, longevity in uh, professional sports. Usually that either gets them banned or they have to come clean and then they aren't the player that we all thought they were. So. Again, who knows, maybe was it steroids that was helping the Boz out in college become back-to-back butt-kiss award winner? Who knows? Bottom line, though, is it was one of the biggest, biggest flops when it comes to a defensive player of all time. Another one that we can share is Charles Rogers, a Detroit Lions wide receiver from the 2003 NFL Draft. He was selected second overall by the Lions. The uh, 2000s era was just a weird time for the Detroit Lions. They obviously stunk up a storm in 2008 going 0-16. But around this time, for some reason, they I think they drafted like four receivers in a decade in the first round. They were just drafting receivers everywhere. And Charles Rogers was one of those receivers. Now, he was an absolute star at Michigan State, putting up over almost 3,000 yards and 27 touchdowns in his just sophomore and junior seasons. Um, This got him selected second overall by the Detroit Lions in 2003. A lot of people thought he was going to be an absolute star with his size, speed, athleticism, and route running. However, Rodgers had one of the worst NFL careers out of most people when it comes to being drafted that high as a wide receiver. Uh, In three seasons, Charles Rodgers only had... um, 440 yards and four touchdowns in 15 games. So yes, 15 games in three seasons usually means injuries, but it also means poor performance on the field with a lot of people are saying drops, poor route running, inconsistent play. It's an absolute flop. If you're going to take a receiver second overall, you're hoping for like a Julio Jones, a Calvin Johnson, a generational type player, a Tyreek Hill you know, uh, uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, those big-named guys. And you never really got that with Charles Rogers. So those are some of my big draft busts. There's some other ones. These are guys that were drafted really, you know, high up on the list. If we want to talk about some more modern-day busts, I think of some quarterbacks. One of them I think of Paxton Lynch. I shared my opinions on him 
when the XFL rebooted, I believe, because uh, it was a stat where Paxton Lynch became like the first quarterback ever to throw an interception in the NFL, the XFL, the USFL, the AAF, and the CFL or something like that. Like he's been at every other football league and managed to suck there. Um, a guy that the Broncos traded up for, he was supposed to be, you know, a star quarterback and then never even got to start his first season due to an undrafted guy that they wanted to start instead in Trevor Simeon. Another quarterback I could see as a big bust. This could still be a question. This is up for debate, but let me know what you think about it. That would be Zach Wilson. Yes. The mom Hunter out of, the New York Jets. He came from uh, BYU. Was thought to be a very talented prospect. A lot of people saw like a Baker Mayfieldy, you know, maybe even a better Baker Mayfield, a guy that could escape the pocket, had a cannon on him, not really a dual threat, but could extend plays with his legs. And he has been an absolute flop in his time with the Jets. I think a lot of people thought that he was going to be a lot better or further developed by now. He's an absolute turnover machine. Still not as bad as these quarterbacks that I was sharing with Jamarcus Russell and Ryan Leaf. But he's an absolute turnover machine. He misses the easy throws. So he can make a star play where he like drops the ball right over a receiver's back for like 40 yards. But then he'll miss a screen pass to a receiver you know, that, that should be routine. He overthrows him and gets his receiver killed or just absolutely misses him. He misses the easy throws, and it's the reason why the Jets are looking for a quarterback next year. With the defense they've had, with the run game they have, you could argue that, honestly, a, an average quarterback like a Derek Carr could get them to probably win the division next year. Now, they still haven't acquired a, a Ron yet from the Packers, but I could see them, you know, Probably winning the division if Aaron Rodgers does go to the uh, to the Jets. I almost said the Packers. That's where he's been. But, uh, yeah. So, Zach Wilson, I will label as a bust due to the fact that his franchise is already trying to replace him less than two seasons into his career. What do you think about these busts? Do you think there is anyone in this current draft that has bust potential? A quarterback you don't like? a player that you think is going to be drafted too high, let me know your thoughts on the Facebook page. With that being said, we have a little bit of a longer episode today, but I appreciate those who want some longer content. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy your Thursday. Hopefully you're like me in Michigan where we have beautiful weather. I've had it all week, and I can't say I'm hating it. So have a great one. Take care. Bye-bye.